Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. I'm your host, Michael Minkoff. At Renew the Arts, our mission is to liberate Christian creativity. And in the last four years, we've given away over $250,000 in sponsorship value to artists committed to their craft and to their faith. If you'd like to support this mission, please join our patron community today at patreon.com forward slash renew the arts. Recently, I sat down with Renew the Arts president, Justice Stout, to finish up our conversation on culture and politics. We wanted to release this conversation before the election and finish up the rest of this year focusing even more intently on arts and community. So, without further ado, this is An Artistic Antidote to Division. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up the politics is downstream from culture theme, which is a little earlier than we planned to wrap it up. When did we plan to wrap it up? You know, I had a I had the thought of just going through the end of the year, you know, go through the election and maybe do some recap episodes after the election because then it would already be November. So maybe do one or two. If there's still a country. <laughs> Don't be that guy. <laughs> it is interesting, though. There's like a, a, a too large percentage of people on both sides that are like, we're going to believe this was rigged no matter which way it goes. And yeah. like, oh, well, that's... I do believe it is an, a, obviously an important election. I do feel like this song is getting old, though. Oh, big time. As far as... I don't understand this how This is the election that everything yeah. rides on. Mm-hmm. It's like... Romney versus Obama. Right now they say that this every four years. This is the election that everything rides on. We just forget. Four years is a long time. But anyway, the, the point is we're wrapping it up earlier than we anticipated. And um, whenever I had the idea to do a theme of politics is downstream from culture, I um, it was still... It was late 2019. Yeah. And I saw an election year coming up and I thought, oh, this will be timely. Yeah. And relevant. And it's something that we care about. It's something we talk a lot about. You know, it's my, you know, I've shared my story being in politics and and my journey transitioning into dedicating myself to the uh, care of culture mm-hmm. instead of being, you know, in politics and how, how that calling came to be. And so it's something, yeah, near and dear to my heart, and, and it's been a conversation with you for a long time. So an election year was coming. We've had the podcast going strong for a couple of years. I was like, hey, let's do a whole theme, a whole season kind of about politics being downstream from culture during an election year. Sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Then 2020. Right. And um, which maybe might make it seem like it's more relevant than ever, and maybe there's a a little marketing guru shriveled up deep inside me that like screams every time I just get tired of what is relevant. If, or, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, <sighs> yeah, it's important, but I'm tired. 
and not tired in the sense of like, no, man, you got to pick it up and keep going. Like, I'm tired of the way the conversation is being had. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to some extent, I am tired of the conversation. Um, if, I don't even know that you can call it a conversation. Well, I, I guess that's kind of the point. Yeah, I mean, that's if the it were a dialogue or a discourse of any kind, I'd be like, all right, well, there's some fruitfulness to this. But when people are just talking over each other and yelling at each other and spouting literally different facts yeah, like to one another, mm. and it's just at a certain point you're like, I, there's no basis for any discourse here. Like, right. there, I, and I don't, there's such a deep seated division. Um, whether, whether that division is just us believing that there is division or whether there are other factors involved, I think there's probably a combination of all those things. Um, the fact is that we are seriously deeply divided at this point. And it yep. seems rather than trying to have a conversation while we're so deeply divided, we should probably try to address the division itself. And so in yep. this podcast, we wanted to talk a little bit about what we believe, some of the things we can contribute. Well, uh, yeah, and we talked about it in the first episode, the opening episode, talked about looking at what's at hand, looking at what you can personally do. Mm-hmm. And maybe we kind of like just punted it right there, like to some degree. It's like, so you're going to talk for a year? I don't mm-hmm. know. I didn't think about it like that at the time, but in retrospect, it's like, you know, the conclusion that culture is Excuse me. The conclusion that politics are <laughs> downstream from culture uh, leads us to action, and I guess I don't want to. I it. don't want to talk too long about it. And we are taking action. So, yeah. and a podcast isn't a two-way conversation. I mean, it is between me and you, but but we agree a, a lot of the time, and so that's not the kind of conversation that needs to happen to heal division. And so. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to continue talking about politics with people I agree with, especially if there's lots of work that we are doing that we could focus on. Yeah, that we could do. So, and that's somewhat what we did. I mean, we had like the opening episode. We're like, we're going to do a themed season, and then, you know, two episodes in or whatever, <laughs> COVID happened, and then we were like, well, let's talk about mental health issues because that seems well, like a COVID pressing... and George Floyd and so oh, it was right, right. very quickly like yeah. politics although it's still relevant yeah. like it's obviously relevant and I don't know how to articulate my feelings on this but the relevance of it was almost trumped I don't know you're I don't, not allowed I, to use that word I don't okay sorry the timeliness of it is that better? <laughs> I'm not talking about relevance. I'm talking about Trump. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we said we were talking about politics. No, no, no. Uh, the, the timeliness of the topic um, really was not as important to me as trying to figure out how, I, how we could help people in the moment, yeah. right? It's like, we, oh, man, this... In one sense, this topic is perfect, and people, you know, we can talk about politics and the arts and politics being downstream of culture and, and make art and make beauty and change the world and all this kind of stuff, um, which is, you know, great, and we have talked about it, but um, I kind of want to just step fully into the art now. Yeah, sure. And step out of the political side of that conversation. Altogether. Pretty much. Yeah, well, much. let's wrap this up then. So let's let's do a couple. We got a couple things to talk about, and then we're gonna step out of the 
out of the politics is downstream from culture conversation. Which, again, I think is interesting, and I definitely think it's true. And if you want us to talk about it more, Call you us can up. let us know. We'll hang out. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it. But, um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, going back, like, we launched it. Then we started talking about, so we had, like, two episodes about politics being downstream from culture. Then we had three episodes with Cynthia Giles where we talked about um, art and mental health because that was more important, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe not quite as clickbaity um, as like just throwing in on the politics conversation and how it relates to art. But, um, but I thought it was really important and I thought those conversations were really good. And, uh, and so we wrapped those up and we, we dropped a couple more episodes that were related to politics being downstream from culture. And now we find ourselves quickly approaching the election and we kind of want to step out kind of ahead of time, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to go into the election talking about the relationship between arts and politics, if that makes sense. Um, So. Okay, so we're going to talk about the political situation as it is, which obviously deeply divided more polarized than ever. What uh, what culture do you think is producing the political uh, scenario that we see? I mean... If you're going to say it's upstream, you know... Yeah, no, it's a great point because this has been such an important political year or mm-hmm. such a explosive political mm-hmm. year. Then, And we have been saying that culture is upstream of politics. Then what has been that upstream culture? And that's a great question. I think... Social media has a lot to do with it. A lot to do with it. And not just as a platform for social interactions, but even the media within it. The art, you could say, within it. And uh, I think that... I think, obviously, there's the echo chamber effect that lots of people talk about. So you put yourself in an echo chamber, in a bubble, where... You surround yourself, you know, your feed is curated to be people basically who just agree with you. Right. Or at least the things that you are clicking on and engaging with. Right. And uh, just, it's inherently divisive. Yeah. Like, to just think that you and any sensible person thinks this way. Did you see that movie, uh, The Social Dilemma? No, but I saw... um, Brett McCracken, who does mm-hmm. the yeah. Gospel Coalition's uh, art and culture, uh, you know, division or whatever, mm-hmm. he highly recommended it. So it has some problems, doesn't? Yeah, um, particularly the artistic part of it is not done very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the narrative part of it is kind of unbelievable. <clears throat> they tried to make it abstract and general enough that it would apply to any side. So, for instance, like the the news media center that is like turning the ear of this young man is called like the extreme center. I think it's called the extreme center. So it's like, you know, whatever you want to put place in that, it's just Mm -hmm. a placeholder for extreme political views or cultural views. But, um, obviously it has more, the, the thing about it that's most interesting is that there are people who come on who worked for Google and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and who got pretty high up in various different levels in these companies, and they're basically coming in and saying, there's a real problem here. Mm. Uh, things are really broken. 
in the mm. way that these platforms work to such an extent that all of them, like most of them are parents and like pretty much all of them had the same thing to say. They were like, we will not let our kids on social media, period. Mm. And you're like, oh, Ooh. okay. So this thing that you, that's putting, you know, like food on your table. Or was putting food was, on your table. Was, yeah. yeah. You're not willing to even let your kids engage at all with it. And they they went through some of the political uh, effects, like in Myanmar. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, when you get a cell phone in Myanmar, they got Facebook preloaded on it. And that's it, it's almost synonymous with internet. So that's how you interact uh. with the internet. And then they started saying, okay, so since the internet was Facebook for Myanmar, it's like a, what's, it's a happened, what's happened in the country? And it, it like went zero to 60 straight into extraordinary division. Like, <laughs> like, like, that's not funny. Really, that's so terrible. Re- like, deep seated, violent, d- like, division. Um, it's just incredible. It's like, it didn't take very long. Wow. It was like uh, 10 or 15 or whatever years for it to go from being, we have no concept whatsoever of the outside world to being like, we know who we love and who we hate. And we're pretty sure that everyone that is on that side is an enemy to the point where we need to, you know, do violence against them. So as much as to refer back to our previous episode, as much as rock and roll had everything to do with Roe versus Wade. Facebook, you mean like the sexual revolution? Yeah, the sexual revolution. Ro- yeah, exactly. Rock mm-hmm. and roll, sexual revolution and... Um, Roe v. Wade, all the things that came in the 70s. I would say if you're looking at division as a major issue, mm-hmm. like a public sector issue, then, uh, yeah, uh, it, social, social media was the, I think, obviously you don't pin it down to one thing, but I think social media had a lot to do with it. I think so, yeah, because a lot of people who or on social media regularly, it's gotten to the point where um, in order to get engagements, media producers have to be entertaining. And it's in shorter clips. I mean, you think about Twitter, you know, like you do have longer threads, but regularly you have sound bites. Mm-hmm. And how much nuance can you really put into 280 characters well, how much now? nuance do people actually want? That's part of the problem. Well, that's the thing. They don't want it. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's They limited, don't click yeah. on it. They don't engage with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have something that is salacious or uh, you know inflammatory in some way so that people will engage with it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I mean, on the social dilemma on this, uh, it on the documentary, they talked about how metrically, like this is t- statistically, misinformation is six times more shared than accurate information. Mm. And so you're just looking at that situation, you're like, well, then that is incentivizing financially misinformation. Mm. And so you think about all these people producing these really inflammatory things and you wonder, do they really believe these things? I mean, a man will sin for a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, proverb. Right. So if 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 that's the case- if bread is on the line. Right. Would you be willing to write a salacious article? Right. And for the most part, most people would say, well, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm not doing anything real, right? Like, it's just virtual. It's just Facebook, you know, I'm just creating content. And there's, there isn't a whole lot of responsibility. And then people come in and and the answer, right? The solution is civil government needs Mm -hmm. to come in and hold Facebook accountable or hold Twitter accountable 
and so Facebook starts doing what amounts to some degree of, I think, allowable censorship, but mm-hmm. still the, the control, right? Like there has to be these controls put in place in order to keep the information you think is misinformation from being shared. So you have fact checkers and all these other kinds of things, but then that becomes politicized. Right. And that feeds back it's, into it again. It's like there's no digging out of it. There's no getting out of it. it eventually, the it makes it worse. Then people get on there and they're talking about how they're being persecuted because Facebook is censoring their posts or whatever. And maybe they are. I don't really know. Uh, but then that still creates even more so the us versus them div- division the, the I'm on this team, you're on that team, we're enemies, we're against one another, and we're at each other's throats. Right. And, right. and it's, not just, it's not just a conflict where the, where the terms and the arena are agreed upon. Um, this is a conflict that is like total no rules. There right. are no it's, rules. It is like the Wild West. It's absolutely like the Wild West. And so whatever you can do in order to establish control and maintain influence and power... Do it. Do it. Exactly. Especially if your cause is righteous. And I mean, you know, like C.S. Lewis says that, you know, there's there's almost no end to the evil that can be done in the name of a righteous cause. Right. Because if we, when you believe that you're right and that what you're doing is good for other people, whether it's, uh, you know, reproductive rights on one side or uh, like anti-abortion and, and, and pro-life rights for unborn children on the other side. It's like, well, that's a righteous cause, whichever way, right? Mm-hmm. And so you it'll have... It'll justify any it'll means. It'll justify any means you use in order Politically to... Politically or socially or whatnot. Exactly. And so you end up having a situation where, you know, if you have misinformation at your disposal in order to accomplish your will, then why wouldn't you use it? Like, why wouldn't you use yeah. that? So there's an issue there that social media definitely slants toward the obscene or the salacious or just the the not true right um the sensational even yeah like you you see people that are you know uh quote tweeting really really bad takes Mm -hmm. and then you know they have their little you know commentary up above like oh look at how terrible this is and people still do this they still do it Mm -hmm. even they're like you understand everybody on your feed is now clicking on that person's article that you fundamentally disagree with. So do you think they care why all of these enraged people are coming to their website, filling up their page views, giving them ad revenue? I mean, I don't care. Like, who cares? Mm -hmm. I don't care if you come to my website because you hate me if I get page views and ad revenue from it. Well, that's the whole thing with trolls. Right. That's how That's how it works. Yeah. There's an incentive for it. But again, you... the. You can blame social media on one side as being a cultural uh, effect, right? But it's a it's a consequence as well as a cause. The problem is that we're yes. we're, we're we're actually in a feedback loop, and the more we invest in it, the more this will happen. Right. So if you're like, oh no, we got to double down, you know, it's like no, we have to win the internet back. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. Like, Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's a never-ending, that's a never-ending struggle. And so instead, it's like, okay, well, if we're going to look at this, if if we're not going to be able to put political measures in place, because again, when you're talking about political measures at this point, you're talking about fully centralized political measures. 
Very rarely when people are talking about politics anymore are they talking about local politics, which is the only politics that I think is legitimate. Mm -hmm. Like centralized politics, unless you're talking about protection protection of the country from invading forces or whatever, like I don't know that federal politics should be important to the average person. Mm -hmm. They are because the federal government has a say basically in every part of your life. But that's just because we're crazy libertarians that a lot of people aren't going to necessarily Okay, with. sure, <laughs> sure. But it means that the stakes now seem so much higher. And they are and higher. And they are higher. Because that's the reality of the fact yeah. is that the, the power does lie there. Right. And so there's a bunch of power all the way at the top. Right. And you've just got to claw for it. And I, I've seen the church really, oh, yeah. really fall for it. And it's, it's, it's pretty um, discouraging you know, the way of Christ is not the way of seizing power. Jesus denied opportunities when handed to him on a silver platter yeah. for power and prestige. He barely escaped being made king multiple times in his ministry. Right. Like, and, this, and this idea that, that Christians have to have power to wield influence is like... Um, we don't need political power. Exactly. Well, I that's mean, what I meant. That's what I meant. That's what's so funny power. is when you think about it, if you truly have the creator of the universe filling you up with his spirit, and you're still saying, you know what would really change things? If I had human power. Mm-hmm. It becomes really clear where your trust and fear really is. Mm-hmm. Because if you really knew the living God as fully as you should, I feel like you'd be able to say, this is where power is. Mm -hmm. Power is in the Holy Spirit. And I know a lot of people would retort to that by basically saying we don't care about justice. And like, you know, that things need to be made right, you know, Uh, and laws need to be good. And, and, um, And I think that there's something to be said for that, in that it is a biblical thing to see nations... Um, with good laws. Right? I agree. And, so how do you, you get there? That, yeah, and I, and I think that I think that that retort is uh, has legitimacy. The problem is that you're not going to achieve justice by this kind of use of power. Yeah, it literally ultimately. says, "Many seek the face of men for justice. Justice is found only with Yahweh." It says that quite literally. It's mm-hmm. like we, we, we want to get justice from people, but that's not really where real justice could even come from. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to hyper-spiritualize this. I'm, I'm talking, this is actual brass tacks. This is a material reality that right now, whatever attempts that you make to try and gain justice... I mean, I'm, can, I don't even understand the situation that we're in as a country right now. Um, all the laws that are on the books, you know, let's just talk about like civil rights. Mm-hmm. It's very clear to me that there's not equal protection for all people under the law mm-hmm. in this country. If you want to say it's because of race or because of class or because of whatever, I don't care. It's very clear that that isn't the case, that we do not have equal protection under the law for all people in this country. That seems like, okay, that's a really important thing. We need to fix that. 
that's bad. We're not even keeping our commitments to ourselves in terms of like our founding documents. Mm -hmm. And so we should fix that, all right? All the attempts that have been made to fix it. There have been so many attempts, legislation, legislative packages mm -hmm. for decades. Yeah. And we still have the situation that we have right now, mm -hmm. which is a shameful situation. And so I'm not saying that all of that was worthless. They fought for something that was good. It's just that wasn't enough because the actual problem, the actual problem is actually a spiritual problem that no matter what laws you have on the books, Pharisees can keep those laws while breaking them at the same time. Right. And that's not to say that the laws are, because I'm going to push back. Like, sure. I think that the laws, good laws are very important, um, but they don't achieve what they're meant to on their own. Well, they can't actually transform a people. Right. And so, and it was talked about during the establishment of the country, like, especially in a democratic republic, you have to have people who are able to self-govern, meaning you're capable of living justly for the most part. Right. In order for a system with so much freedom to work. Right. And so... So that seems like... Good, good laws, I guess what I'm saying is good laws are important and we should strive for them, but they will not achieve on their own. No, and if things are already broken, if things are broken as badly as they are right now, it's not because of there's a lack of good laws. That that's not that, that's not the reason why things are as broken as they are right now. Uh I guess I'd push back again and just say it's a both and. Okay. Like I think that there is a lack of good laws. Well, okay. The, yes, but there's also lots of good laws. I think, on the books. There are mm -hmm. a lot of good laws on the books that just aren't executed properly. So there's no, definitely some of that, yeah, for and, sure. And I'm saying they're not executed properly because you can actually obey those laws and not obey those laws, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you think about, there's never been better laws than God's law, in my opinion, mm -hmm. right? God wrote really good laws for the Israelites. And... um you can see very clearly that they avoided the spirit of the law, even the people who were most adamant about ob obeying it by the letter. Mm -hmm. Like that is a thing that happens and it's not that hard to do. It's not that hard to avoid actually obeying the law by just maintaining this, the letter of the law in such a way that you avoid the loopholes. There's tons, there's yeah. always loopholes and the only way to solve that problem is a spiritual transformation. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that the law should be removed or thrown away or anything like that, or that we shouldn't still work toward making good laws. I, but I think at this point, the situation is so far gone beyond a legislative issue that we kind of have to come back to how do we address the brokenness of this society? Mm -hmm. And... I, I, I think that the, the, the clearest way, the way, because I mean, again, Jesus came into a society that was similarly broken and he didn't take the reins of power in the church or in the state. Mm. And that's not what he thought would be most effective with the radical problems that were in the society that he came into. And that's not to say we're going to do exactly what he did. 
But I do think we should consider how important it is um, to obey what God has given for us to do in our little spheres and be more concerned about being faithful in those little things than having our eyes out on the grand edges of some enormous global or even national change. Yeah, I was just talking with, uh, we're here in the studio, actually, we're recording this in Clubbin Studio in Blairsville, Georgia, and I was just discussing with Carly Tate this dilemma that we're in where we can see all the world's problems. They're immediately available. Right. The whole world's problems. We were all talking about it. And it's, I'm sure there's an upside in there somewhere, but there's a lot of downside to feel even perhaps responsible for the entire world all the time. And then it becomes overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. And, and depressing. And totally Literally. depressing, yeah. Literally Where it's like you yeah. can't get out of bed. Like, well, how am I supposed to do this? Yeah. And, um, you know, my, my dad, I think, has been a really good example in many ways to me of how to have a lasting influence and impact in the world. And his name will probably not be remembered in any history book. Um, but he has been faithful mm. every day. Seriously, every day to wake up at the same time, to go to his job. I mean, he's been at his job for over 40 years. My mom, he and my mom are going to celebrate their 50-year anniversary next year. And, you know, he's always a faithful member at churches, wherever he is. You know, like he went to one for over 30 years and they had to kick him out. You know, <laughs> like he wouldn't Literally, leave. They had to leave. kick him out. <laughs> and then he's, you know, on to the next thing, whatever God puts in front of him. For the next... 30 years. For the next 30 years, yeah, probably. And he's just faithful like that. That's yeah. the way that he is. And he has amassed a, an extraordinary influence with through his kids, in his kids, in the people who know him and have enjoyed his hospitality at his house. Mm -hmm. um, his generosity is, you know, probably going to be world-renowned at some point. Um, <laughs> you know, and I just think that has made such an impact because he dealt with what was at hand. It, yeah, he just did what was at hand. And Jesus even said, he said, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in much. But if you're not faithful in little things, you're not going to be faithful in much. And that's a principle. It's a Which kingdom principle. Which I think principle. is epitomized by politicians. Grand promises oh, yeah. by characters who think way too much of themselves. Right. And think they're going to be able to do these really big things. And then in the end, you're like status quo. And or even just your character can't even uphold your attempts at accomplishing good. Yeah. It's like... You can try to make the world better and um, by not dealing what's at hand in your own life, right? Mm -hmm. Fortifying your character mm -hmm. and the lives of those around you, mm -hmm. you'll lose it. You'll oh, lose I know. It. We've seen that too. And so, People with legacies and names and you know big brand name ministries, sometimes in their lifetime, sometimes after their lifetime, little secrets you know, improprieties, unfaithfulnesses mm -hmm. come back. And it's like it has the potential to undermine every single thing that you did, these really big, you know, important things that just collapse mm. under those tiny little unfaithfulnesses, the cracks and the, 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 the uncertainty of all those unfaithfulnesses. And, I mean, you see that all over the place. And a lot of it is because of this. 
We're all trying to figure out what's the really big thing we can do. And so we sacrifice our wives and our children and our home life so that we can go off and be... Change the world. Changing the world. Yep. And what ends up happening is we just lose everything. We lose our home and our home life, and we end up not changing the world. Turns out you weren't going to change the world in the first place, and the huge amount of influence you could have in your wife and children's life you squandered. Yeah, exactly. Well, with with that, with that, I want to go ahead and just, as much as it is being politically minded and truly caring about these things and caring about good laws... I think I I'm care just, less about I'm it just, than you Yeah, do, I think but. you do. But that's why I'm, I'm assuring our listeners at home getting ready to vote. If you haven't already voted, uh, you know, I do care about these things. But with that said, Should I think I we're going to go ahead. I'm voting for? We're going to head, huh? So you're, is this we're going to reveal who I'm voting for now? No. Oh, that's not what we're doing? No, that's not what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> not at all. Uh, no, with all of that said, uh, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to move on in the context of this podcast. Like I will still continue to do what I think is right, politically speaking, to search and do the good of my neighbor and the good of my city. But you're not going to put your hope in that. I'm not putting my hope in that. And I'm definitely uh, ready to move on concerning our podcast mm. from the political, the, the whole politics. We barely got political. Downstream political. from culture, just going into the culture, focusing in on that culture part now and, and saying, what is our calling at Renew the Arts? And how do we basically take the conclusion that we've made mm-hmm. and actually just working on that and saying, and if politics this is downstream, division. let it be downstream. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Culture, full steam ahead. How do we do this? And um, Without making the same mistakes, too, because, I mean, you can say, oh, you know, now we have an even bigger thing to change or a bigger transformation, and it's going to be through culture. It's like, well, uh, it seems like you're making the same mistake. Here. Right, right, right. Well, know? what's really exciting is that the stuff we're working on, and, and I think, you know, we've already posted an announcement about this, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast. I'm really, really eager to jump into this because um, I think it's a great transition out of this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very natural progression of the direction of Renew the Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, I'm honestly just really excited to, to work, uh, work on this. So with no further ado, um, one of the main things that we're focusing on now, um, in trying to cultivate better culture and better art, better experiences around art, but better support artists is drum roll to, that was terrible. Yours was better, sorry. Okay. Brrr. I don't know what that is. <laughs> what are you doing? Brrr. No. All right, it's <laughs> over. A hosting network. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's the dealio. Um, COVID has obviously shut down a lot of things, but one of the last things that's going to open back up is music venues. Uh, because they're designed for large crowds, they're indoors, all kinds of bad things. Um, what we're really excited about, though, is figuring out how to safely reintroduce live music experiences for people and for musicians. And the, um, the way we want to do that is to sign up hosts all across the country who are eager. A lot of them are already in the habit of doing like house shows and stuff like that, but who are eager to start doing house shows. Not necessarily right away. 
Um, but basically, throw your you know they're throwing their name in the hat, saying mm-hmm. yeah, let me know when a band comes into town, and you know we can host them or not. So we've uh, announced this this network. Uh, we've announced it online. We started signups <clears throat> not long ago, maybe four weeks ago, and we already have a ton of hosts signed up all across the country who are ready whenever it's safe and when the time is right to start cultivating meaningful, beautiful, good experiences around awesome art made by real people. Yeah. Um, specifically music. It's a, it's a music hosting network. Um, we for do right to ex- now. Yeah. We'll, we'll be expanding it in the future, but for now our, our focus is figuring out how to get live music events in, uh, in this way. And I, there's a lot of reasons I'm really excited about it, but one of them is that focus on the local. Like, this isn't a national conference. This isn't some big... This is figuring out how to get normal people, you know, living normal lives in their normal homes, cultivating really powerful, intimate experiences around live music that's really going to mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that local community emphasis is an antidote, I think, to, yeah. a, to a lot of this, like, I, th- I would say it's fantasy and fear. Fear and fantasy tends to exist on the edges of our peripheral, right? Like the, the horizon. Um, we, we, we create both bad and good. Right. They're the opposite horizons. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we don't know what shape those things will take, and so we can form them to our own whatever. But when you're talking about the real which isn't a fear or fantasy, this is the real, the present, Um, really that is usually very local because we're very finite. People are. People are finite. Human beings are are not. And community, actually. Actual community is finite. Yeah. It has boundaries. Yeah. And not even boundaries that you set. It's just, you know, that's the extent of your connections or whatever. Um, But yeah, having people into your home, having musicians come in artists come in and share something of beauty something that they've made that is meaningful to them that then you make meaningful to other people by joining together with it there's there's an opportunity there for real connection and i do think that's one of the it's such a tragic thing that happened at a time when this country was already about as divided as i thought it could be and then you have the COVID crisis and people, it's like the last vestiges of whatever community connection we had mm-hmm. was stripped away from us for a time. And it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take some rebuilding. Yeah. This is something that we've talked about before, but I've been thinking about why things feel so different these days. And I think that's because, or I feel this... I feel this big shift because there seems to be, on a really interpersonal way, a shift that has taken place where we actually see people as threats, mm-hmm. um, whether they're, um, you know, whether they're COVID threats mm-hmm. that I need to keep at six feet distance and they need to be wearing their mask and I need to be wearing mine. And I'm not saying people don't need to wear masks or whatever, but there is just the psychology of seeing everyone as a potential threat, whether that's real or fake, Mm -hmm. that has huge 
sociological ramifications, mm-hmm. societal ramifications. And, um, and the opposite end of that is seeing people as potential collaborators, which I think whether we were united in some sort of American dream or united by some sort of common story, common theme, whatever, whatever that protein that bonds a people together to be able to collaborate and work together, whatever that was or is, is degrading. Mm-hmm. And replacing it is not a spirit of collaboration, but a spirit of hostility, mm-hmm. where you don't see a new person or an other as a potential coworker, co-laborer, friend, a potential new friend. It's, I really do think on even just a psychological level, we see everyone as threats. And that is a major problem, um, uh, you know, going back to like politically speaking, but even just like culturally That's a grocery speaking, store. you know, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so um, I think, I think that that's a really big deal. And I think that the solution to divisiveness of that nature is hospitality. Right. Like seriously. And this is the coming, the, the bringing together, not just the coming together, that's kind of passive or even mm-hmm. equal, but the, the active initiation gathering. of gathering people together. And hospitality is a gathering together not based on commonality necessarily now sometimes perhaps it could be um but true hospitality you know is welcome to the stranger shown in the bible exhibited by christ practiced by christians for a long time is welcoming in the stranger meaning welcoming in the person who can't do something for you that might be financially like welcoming in someone of a lower class but that can also be ideologically because someone does something for you if they are your echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Like, to... You're really doing in, it for me right now. <laughs> am I? Am I? <laughs> uh, uh, inviting someone in who doesn't have that to offer you. Mm-hmm. Who is different. Who is a stranger. Who is another. Who, who doesn't bring... You're not inviting them because you're able to get something out of them. You're inviting people because you're generous. Yeah. And I do think that's one of the central tests of character. Like when I think, I tell this to my kids, you know, your character is tested by the way you treat people who can neither help or hurt you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Those are the people, when, the way you treat them, that is your character. Yeah. So if, you, if you're fearful around someone who could hurt you and you respect them, that, that means nothing. Mm-hmm. If, if you're groveling at the feet of someone who could help you, that also means nothing. It's when you treat with kindness and grace people who can neither help nor hurt you that your character is truly revealed. Mm-hmm. And for the church right now, I feel like giving them... And it's like we're not saying this is a humongous thing. This is actually a small faithfulness. It is a small extension of faith uh, in this opportunity to invite people that are strangers that you don't know very well uh, into your home and share what good you have with them. Yeah. And these are people who can't help or hurt you. Yeah. And I, and I think that there's a, a, a particular um, opportunity in gathering around art that, though it can be um, divided along some sort of lines of propaganda or ideology, Art is the most capable of not being divided along those lines because mm-hmm. it lives in the realm of the awe and mystery. Mm-hmm. 
and um, because it's not a lecture, it's not didactic, it's not you know we're going to gather around these thoughts or these these agreements or these you know propositions. It's we're going to gather around an experience. It's an invitation. Yeah. Yeah. An so. invitation to experience collectively, and I think that that is so important. Yeah, and very needful. Yeah. And we're happy to be working on it right now. And we hope that in its small way, it has an impact in drawing people together and in healing divisions, even in just a small local way. I mean, I think that's the only way you can heal divisions. I'm yeah. telling you, these divisions are not going to be healed on Facebook. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be healed on the national level. They're not going right. to be healed through politics. I mean, whoever you vote for, that's not going to heal the division. Like People that, need to come together, man. They have to come together. Actually in person. In person and, and, and actually spend time with and one And it's another. kind of an ironic time to be doing that in the midst of COVID <laughs> yeah. to be like, we're planning in-person events and, and we're going to be careful and we're going to do it safely and we're going to wait till the time is right. But it's so funny whenever COVID hit, everyone tried to figure out how to digitize and centralize. Mm-hmm. And it was... Very quickly, we were like, "Nope, nope, Mm-mm. not not happening." Like, like there, and, and this is not to say there's not a place for that, but for what we feel called to and what we see down the line is going to be so needed. We're throwing like all of our effort, all of our attention into establishing a support for these host homes across the country to start having these gatherings once it's safe. Yeah, to start coming together, gathering together. And, uh, and experiencing real relationship, real community, face-to-face, seeing real humans, being around real humans, and enjoying each other's presence. Uh, it's it's going to be, it's, it's so needed. And um, We hope you come along with us. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you think, oh, man, I would love to be a part of that. We're, we're really excited to continue signing up hosts. Um, I do want to offer a few clarifications real quick actually um so it's not a house show network huh fine print yeah this is a fine print no it's just some clarifications because sometimes it gets confusing it's not a house show network it's not really you you don't sign up a venue you sign up as a host and this is proven to be really interesting actually because a lot of people we we had barely (laughs) enough foresight to to propose these different options in our form but um, it was like, are you signing up your house or are you signing up another venue or are you signing up both? And a ton of people signed up both, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy. But this focus on the host as the central key figure in this, because that's what, where hospitality starts, right? Mm-hmm. With the host. So it's central to this vision. Um, starting with the host, that actually creates a lot of freedom and flexibility with the venue. So a lot of people are host, are signing up different venues. It's like, yeah, my backyard socially distanced can, you know, can hold 30 people, but, you know, later on on down the road when things are safer, like, you know, I could definitely set stuff up at my church and we can host 200 people and all kinds of stuff. And so mm-hmm. um, anyway, if you're thinking about signing up and you're like, oh, I live in a one bedroom apartment, but you have access, like you have, um, you know, reliable access to another venue that, that you could be the host at, people are signing those up and that's really cool. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, another thing is that th- there's no obligation. So, um, when you sign up, it's a short Google form. It only takes like three minutes, two minutes. I don't know. Really You're fast. basically just saying you want Renew the Arts to contact you 
if there's somebody who if there's an awesome might, musician coming through town yeah. and, and you, you can, can say no or yes or yes yep no obligation you can always you can always decline or accept um or accept or accept <laughs> please accept say yes say yes <laughs> Um, oh, another cool thing with the form, and you'll see it when you go to sign up because I know you're clicking that link now. Uh, another thing you'll see is that we're signing up not just hosts for the like event, but um, we thought to offer to see if people would be willing to put musicians up overnight. And so many people are. Yeah, it's like the majority. Like, yeah, <laughs> a strong majority of people are like, yeah, man, we got a bedroom with you know two extra beds and a couch and a and a hide a bed. So you know, bring the whole bring crew. them on. Let them, yeah. So it's amazing. Like I think it's it is interesting in a moment of division and fear when we put this out into the world. People jumped on it. Mm-hmm. People absolutely jumped on it, and it man, it really encouraged me. Yeah, that and, is encouraging. Um, and just the thought of being able to to be a part of this network where. We're, you know, we're showing hospitality to musicians and showing them support in a really difficult time or coming out of a really difficult time, you know, financially speaking during COVID and showing hospitality to your friends and your neighbors and your, you know, just anybody, you know, bringing, hosting, you know, gathering people to have a wonderful experience and showing people a good time. Um, it's like people are signing up. People are down. And um, it's, it is really exciting. So... Anyway, if you uh, if you want to sign up as a host, we'll include the link. Um, but we really encourage you to hey, especially if you're on the West Coast, because we don't have as many West Coasters as East Coasters, and that's not right because y'all are creative out there on the West Coast. So um, if you're on the West Coast, but anybody, if you're interested in hosting, please head over there, sign up. Uh, you can read our announcement. We'll we'll include that link, and um, yeah, I guess that kind of just wraps up the political conversation. We're fully turning our attention to cultural cultivation and uh we're gonna go hard in that area and not look back sounds good when we were considering what song would be good to finish up this episode we landed on worry from warbler's self-titled record warbler and we thought this would be a really good song to finish up this conversation because it pinpoints the anxieties and the fears that we have surrounding the political arena and the cultural arena and points us instead to our overall purpose and value in the kingdom of God. So here's Warbler's Worry from Warbler, and we hope you enjoy it. Bye. 
trade your puppets Funny message of hope Build your house on the rock of Emmanuel Set your clocks for the end of all